Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is the ABC of Fita. Welcome to another show. The best podcast um, you've ever listened to. It's a very good show. It's Fita, an audio textual duo discussing different things. Every show is, let's say, devoted to a letter of the English alphabet. Today, we do the letter L. Like laughter. Yeah. Um, like many things, actually, because after a long, dry spell of shitty letters with very few concepts, finally we arrive to a letter full of things to talk about. A letter. Ah, I see what you did there. Laughter. Lol. Laughing out loud. Lolling. Is lolling used as a verb? Only from very cringy adults who are trying to um, use the the youth's uh, you know, language. Lingo. Lingo. Yeah. So many words. Yeah, so many. I don't know if two hours are enough to cover. It, it looks like half of the. You know, we've we've just d- done an intro, and it looks like half of the alphabet starts with an L. <laughs> Half of the words yeah. in the in the on the on any dictionary on any dictionary at any time. Yeah, L is um is a is a wholesome letter. Mm-hmm. It's like a very liquidy liquid liquidy. It's very like singy la 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 la. Mm. It's very. It, we've caught uh, like a flu. Yeah, we've caught the L flu. The L. Epidemic. L'epidemic. L'epidemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the French like the L, English like the L, the Northern Greeks like the L. They have this heavy. But L doesn't feature so much in Asian stuff. Uh, no. Because there is the LR complexity yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not talk about that. Let's stick to the Eurocentric L. The Slavs love the L. We have a few of them, I think. The Portuguese. A few Slavs. A few L sounds. Uh, <coughs> the Portuguese like the Ls. The L, the Portuguese L is a bit too much for me. For me too. But who cares about the Portuguese? I mean, should we pick a word? Yes. Why not? Or do you? Not want to pick a word, and you want to go into straight into a song, song, or pick a word, song, word, song, song, ludus. Uh.
It's okay, it's okay. Um, it's okay. Uh, there, there was like an ending of the song, but it was cut. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, that was Ludus. I really like Ludus. It's it's a great band. Linda Sterling, the front woman. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, is uh, one of my very favorite underrated artists, as yeah. you know. Uh, a pioneer in loads of things that I like, mm-hmm. like, uh, she does like collage, really nice collages, collage yeah. and uh, um, sort of um, um, one of the first people to really create a kind of uh, punky feminist aesthetic in mm-hmm. a fine arty mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, like, yeah, really, she's fantastic. And... Um, I think Ludus is uh, also an underrated project in a way. I think, uh, but they get I, and also Lin- Linda Sterling and her herself. She gets some recognition now with this like revision of uh, feminist uh, art. Yeah, and kind of like unknown uh, female singers. Absolutely, so. yeah. Uh, <coughs> so, yeah, are we ready to take uh, a word? Yes, I think now we are ready 
take a word. So next word, the first word of the day <laughs> the is... The first word of the day. Lies. 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 Lies Aminelli. Okay. Listen. Lies. What about lies? The first thing, when we started like being friends yes. many, many years ago. Many, 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 decades many, ago. Many, 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 like, like centuries. Centuries, like millennia. Millennia ago, yeah. Like yeah. when we played with rocks and wood. And we're little children with rosy cheeks. Yes. And blonde hair. Uh, yes. At that time. Um, you one of your first attempts at being friends with me. Yes. <laughs> was like uh, telling me on Well, Facebook it wasn't one chat. of my... Fa- f- it was, let's say, one of the, one of the first attempts I, I did to try and see if you're not completely a monster. Yes. Because... And did I, I pass the test? N- no, uh, because <laughs> uh, you had already passed the test of being... Uh, Clever. ...interesting and so on. Yeah. But uh, w- one of the first tests of for humanity, <laughs> yeah, humanitarian purposes. <laughs> yeah, you asked me what what was the context? I don't remember what was the. I s- I said to you that I'm uh, quite upset because I found out that someone I was seeing was yeah. lying a lot to me. Yeah, and, and why? How did I support you emotionally? <laughs> you said, "Oh, I actually quite like lies." <laughs> it's a very good way to, you know, comfort your friend. Yes, yes, it's a very like, good way. Yeah, I mean, you in know, my brain, it was a positive thing. You are uh, f- famous for your emotional <laughs> intelligence. <laughs> I've, I've worked through. Yeah, I mean, that's been that. some years ago. <laughs> Many years, as we said. Um, but, but yeah, do you still like lies? Oh, I have a more. Um, ambivalent I always had an ambivalent relationship with lies mm-hmm. as a child I used to lie a lot I liked I like you, el- you lie a lot now yes you used to lie more yes more yeah like all the time all the time <laughs> like but now I don't lie a high pers- like the higher uh, the highest percentage of what you would say would be false no no I don't <laughs> now I don't lie about events and about things I've done for o- example okay I only lie about trivia I make stories up. It's different. It's a very different thing. The first thing is lying about yourself and about things you've done and lying about... Like, for example, did you take the the food out of the oven and uh, you had yeah. forgotten to do it, but you would say, yes, I did. Yeah, stuff like okay, that. Okay, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, basically I would do it all the time. And then, then when I came to Athens, I didn't like it. Uh, uh, Wait, you said when you were young, yeah, yeah. a child, you yeah, said. Yeah. <laughs> you stopped being a child long before coming to Athens. No, no, I mean, I'm, I was a child up until I was 18. 20. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At the time, I'm like, okay, this is not good. So I will quit lying. Mm-hmm. It took me a few years. Uh-huh. And now I'm at this place of life. That Revisiting I, your old self. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind saying, making stories up, but not about me. Like making stories up about, you know, like famous ma- people and so yeah, on. Yeah, like making trivia up. Okay. And this has been challenged by both you and Sophia, mm-hmm. who are uncomfortable with being lied. Oh, I'm not uncomfortable. I'm just. Um, <laughs> the problem with you now is that it's th- it's like the the story with the you know what story with uh, the 
the Nepalese uh, gay rights, no. No, no. I mean, like the fairy tale with the guy who was lying once or twice and then they thought that he was always lying. Yeah. When he was in danger, they didn't uh, yeah, believe him. The shepherd him. and the wolf. Yes. And um, so we're now in this kind of place. Yeah. Especially with some people, like some friends like of yours, that now they are convinced that everything <laughs> you say is a lie. Yeah. So, like, I, there is no point in me trying to lie because... Although you can, you know, now you can do a whole load of new style of double bluffing. Which is, of course... It's more difficult, though. It's not really so difficult. When you know that you know a trivia which is very, very eccentric, Yeah. then you can say, oh, I'm going to tell you this story. Then everybody's like, oh, I don't believe you. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, the LGBT rights of Tibet. <laughs> Nepal. Nepal. And then, and then you will say, look it up. <laughs> and then they are like jerks because they, they are the ones that don't believe But this you. is the other thing with lies uh, nowadays. Okay, one aspect of this thing is that you can never really lie about the fact because everyone can Google things. Uh-huh. So if, if if they challenge you and you're like lying, it's really easy to, to, to basically go to Wikipedia and check yeah, you. But who lies about facts? <laughs> you know, besides me. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, who would do that and actually think they can get away with it? Many people. They do that, yeah, don't they? Yeah, all the time. Many people do that. I know at least two people that I've, that I've been friends with. And they... They do it a lot. And then you Google it and... It's bullshit. The first page of Wikipedia says something different. Mm -hmm. And do they find excuses afterwards? I mean... Or do they say, that's what I said? <laughs> that's the next level. Know, that's my that's father. my favorite. That's my know, father. That that's my father. That's he my, does that. That's my favorite. If I could, If I could ask people to sign contracts mm. at all times <laughs> but why why is lying so triggering to you like I, i've never asked you hmm, because i think I, th i think it's a political thing oh fuck off really are you, are you excuse me are you asking me now to dig uh, and find the reason no or no not? it's good it's good go ahead um because i there are so many um constellations of bringing people together that i don't believe in mm-hmm And some that I despise. So, for example, I don't like uh, connections over a common uh, con country of birth. Mm -hmm. You know, patriotism and so on. You don't like patriotism? No. I, <laughs> so you uh, or, or, or I'm not particularly into religion. Right. Or, uh, you know... I, I, a little bit. A little bit into religion. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little bit into... The, I like the costumes. Yeah, yeah. They're fantastic. Yeah. They've, you've seen the... And I, and I like... A lot of the music from... Oh, you like the Byzantine thing? or The Byzantine thing, so and so, but, you know... There are some beautiful... And things. also, if it, if you combine it with a church and so on, it's a very camp spectacle. Absolutely. Anyway, um, because I don't like, like a lot of constellations, like uh, not political parties, mm -hmm. not particular assemblies, uh, alternative mm -hmm. assemblies, mm -hmm. and so on. The only thing that I like is, let's say, I don't know, Friends. The show... <laughs> not the show <laughs> circles of friends uh, in different constellations right and so in order for this to be functional yeah it requires to maintain some kind of level of trust mm -hmm. and lies are dangerous for trust mm -hmm. because you have to establish if you believe in alternative uh, communities like friends or whatever mm -hmm. you have to establish your own reality which somehow builds walls around 
the rest of the world in order to survive. But friendships are not based on facts. They're based on narratives, I think. It's not like it doesn't matter. Ah, yeah, but I'm not talking about facts of history. I'm talking yeah. of facts of, of behavior, for yeah, example. Yeah. You know, like, for example, I want a friend of mine, if they've been an asshole to someone, mm-hmm. to not say, no, I didn't do that. Ah, I see what you mean. It's, uh, it's Like it's more about accountability in a sense. Accountability is the word. Well done. Yeah. So actually, I don't necessarily mind lies as much as I, I mind uh, lack of uh, responsibility, right. accountability and fairness, perhaps. So we're yeah, going yeah, back yeah. into my fair porn issue. Yeah, yeah, the fairness we've, issue. The, uh, we've been, I think, uh, again, that goes back into having seen the one flew over the cuckoo's nest too early in my life. <laughs> You know, this has been mentioned so many times in this show. Yeah. So bit, uh, I, th- I think. And why do you like light motif? Tell me why do you ha- why do you think you have a lie tendency? Um, I mean, my father does lie a lot about minor things, he, but it has to do with responsibility. He doesn't. He never takes the responsibility for the things he's done. You know, like the one thing that really triggered me was like when he. I was. At the time I was old, it was like I was 26 or something. And I have worked through some of my anger towards my father through psychoanalysis and other means. <laughs> Ways. <laughs> and Art. And I had my new laptop. <laughs> and I had it um, on the, how you say that, on the couch, like, um, stand, whatever. And couch uh, stand? How do you say the, the... The the higher bits of the sofa? Yeah. The si- on the sides? There is a word for that. I don't remember what it's called. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. in Greek we say braccio, <laughs> the arm. The arms of the sofa? Yeah. Um, and But it was like quite a wide arm, so I, I just left it there. It was it was not precarious in any way. So my father walked by and he, he dropped it on the floor. And I just, I just went blank i just i was i felt such a like a fury building Mm -hmm. inside of me Mm -hmm. but i didn't want to let all these emotions that are irrelevant to the laptop you know be expressed through that incident so i was trying to remain calm and be like okay worst case scenario you broke it you will pay for it anyway so so i was trying to you know be civilized reasonable and he said he he was like why did you break it why did you leave it like that At which point I lost it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, look, I'm not sure that this is a very convincing argument because I think I think when something drops, the responsibility is also with the person who left, left it in a place that, as we say in northern Greece, is cr- the object is crying. <laughs> when the object is crying, it means that it's very near the edge of something, which means yeah. that at any moment yeah. it's endangered. <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't know. It's it's, it's prob- You're probably right. At the time... I, I mean, obviously, it's quite... If you, Especially if you haven't said anything, it's quite passive-aggressive to say, why have <laughs> you left it there? Yeah, he just dra- dropped the, the new laptop. He would be, oh, I'm really sorry. I hope it works. Or something like that, you know, like not turn that moment into this like accusation this, this of is responsibility. really crazy yeah that's intense okay yeah I mean no one likes a responsibility I think that's the main reason people lie anyway um, no one wants to say I was wrong yeah or I'm 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 I take the blame for this or also like no one wants to say I'm boring I'm in, in 
I, you know, there is nothing about me that is worth it. Um, Why would they say that? <laughs> <laughs> Let's no, go into a song. No, no, no. I want to say more about lies. What? Can I? What? It's a very dear topic to me. Um, the first time I remember as a child having this memory of my old two older brothers talking about um, lies, or like a friend of them who was like a compulsive liar. And I remember like being really, uh, I don't know, really, I remember this discussion very vividly and how this guy was stigmatized for being uh, this liar. Pathological uh, liar. Like this pathological liar. And I remember as a child, I was really terrified that this would be me. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, and it, it became true. <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> And I want to say what because I remember the lie. <laughs> Go on. I remember the lie. What was the lie? Um, because it's remarkable. I remember after all these like years, mm. decades. Uh, probably my brothers don't remember. But so this pathological liar, he said this. He was telling them this story that he, they were coming back from Thessaloniki to Ceres, mm-hmm. and in order to do that, you go pass through the mountains, mm-hmm. and it's often terrible weather. These mm-hmm. mountains. Mm-hmm. And it's often a terrible fog. So he said that the fog was so thick yes. that you couldn't see in the distance of one meter in front of you. Mm-hmm. And my brother, because he's like a troll, he said, but don't they have these really huge fans that they disperse the fog when it gets too thick? And he said, they were broken. <laughs> <laughs> When I change my oil, I leave it at the battery dump. When I change my oil, I leave it at the battery dump. When I change my oil, I leave it at the battery dump. Under a wrecked truck, I heard a metallic noise. Some kind of wild animal was under the truck. Around the side I came and looked under the truck. There was a wild animal, a boy, a girl, the way it shot from the truck, rocks and sticks in the wake. I dumped my oil and forgot about it, then that face kept coming back. I dumped my oil and forgot about it, then that face kept coming back. I dumped my oil and forgot about it. Then that face kept coming back. Back at the battery dump, I'm looking for that girl. Sagebrush and abandoned vehicles in the middle of a field. A corrugated hut broken down in the field. Growling and singing was coming from the hut. Then I saw her, Cindy the Shack Girl. The most beautiful girl I've ever seen, with dirt on her face, collecting rocks and dirt. She was so concerned, I was able to hide. I watched her all day, 
collecting our dirt. Glad I dumped my oil. I'm gonna get her some shoes. I'm glad I dumped my oil. I'm gonna get her some shoes. I'm glad I dumped my oil. I'm gonna get her some shoes. I couldn't stop thinking about that dirty face. I knew that I loved her. I decided to go back. A bulldozer was parked there. Where was Cindy's shack? The shack was gone. And Cindy the shack girl too. I'll never work on my car again. I love Cindy the shack girl. I'll never work on my car again. I love Cindy the shack girl. So, we're back. We're back, the ABC of Ita. With the letter L. L of the L. Latin alphabet. Oh, Latin. And uh, are we ready to take the next word? They don't call it Latin in England. They say the English, English alphabet. alphabet. Yeah. They like don't understand uh, it's the same for in, all like of the Like in the countries. United States. <laughs> Do you speak American or what? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Are you ready? For what? For another word? The next word is three words. <laughs> it's learning from Athens. L- ah, learning from Athens. It's not just learning. It's learning from Athens. Such an old concept, dated concept. Learning from Athens <laughs> is a dated concept. <laughs> it's been two years since it was announced. It's ancient, as they it's say. It's ancient, in as Athens. they say in Athens, yeah. where things happen very fast. There, it's the most accelerationist city in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yes, one year we have no, we have not seen sushi. Next year, Hawaiian sushi. You know, if you spend one year in Athens, it's like spending ten years in Western Europe. Yes. It's like going to the Mars. Yeah, yeah. It's like, um, yeah. That's why people look so old in Athens. Yeah, because they go through Baroque, Modernism, and Postmodernism all in five years. Yeah, yeah. They don't. There is no, um, yeah. There is no proper. So what is learning from Athens? Ah. <sighs> Learning from Athens. Back in the days. Learning from Athens was a concept that the Documenta came up with. You don't want to talk about the Documenta, do you? Of course not. Okay, no one really wants to talk about the Documenta. But it's an interesting aspect of Documenta. And also, yeah, because we can can, like open it up a bit. Expand. Can't we open it up? And learning from Athens was this silly thing that um, uh, Documenta, which is a German central... uh, Art fair mm-hmm. would come to Athens, mm-hmm. so would would go to the periphery of Europe mm-hmm. as opposed to the headquarters of <laughs> Europe, which is Germany. Yes, and would go to the periphery of Europe to see how you know how people are managing there, uh-huh. and like what's going to happen with the crisis, mm-hmm. and uh, if people are creative, and you know, uh, essentially, it sort of like happened. The learning from Athens was. How do we learn from uh, the next uh, hot spot? It's a really interesting <laughs> um, expression because Germans like learning from the Greeks has an old history, let's say. They always learn from the Greeks. <laughs> I mean, but I also from 
from some fantasy they always have about the Greeks because yeah no but the, in the, all instances the, it's, it's the never same. it's the same it's, it's never same. a reality it's learning never, from uh, yeah, yeah it should be learning from Athens with inverted commas <laughs> yeah from Athens yes uh, bunny rabbit ears Athens it's always an imaginary Athens mm-hmm. which they um, they love <laughs> they love this imaginary Athens they construct it and then they learn from it yes This is exactly what happens. Could you say this is a form of um, colonialism or what? The learning, yeah, it is. I mean, in the very basic post-colonial analysis, learning from Athens is uh, all these things. One, you know, construct like the savages. Yeah, the noble savages is one trope you can find there, especially in the context of uh, modern Athens, because okay, in the in the more traditional philosophical Germany, the you know, learning from the ancient Greeks was more kind of um, idealist but in this case is learning from you know the poor people learning from the but if we were to move from the post-colonial uh-huh. argument which is kind of done ban- banal, done, done, banal. Anyway. yes and and even, a, you know even like very basic uh mm-hmm. the ver- the the you know um how, how can i put them discourse wise and cleverness wise basic people mm-hmm. who are the basic people who from the fine greek fine art mm-hmm. world and as we know the greek fine art world mostly has basic people yeah i, I hope this is clear to for our, everybody uh, everybody in our if show you need to take something out of this show yeah if you need to take something from this show is that the people who do fine art mm-hmm. generally yeah. at, in in this particular milieu but at the moment for sure in greece mm-hmm. are total basic bitches <laughs> <laughs> there is no I don't like this expression but why not it's basic why is it basic it's meta basic why i don't know want to expand on that notion you think it's a cheap uh, cheap camp yeah it's uh, you know it's camp that someone hasn't earned it's like can't camp right uh let's just okay let's use another another word let's just say that they're dumb yeah that I prefer um, I like letterless all, all, all the <laughs> people all the people who uh, <laughs> run galleries and uh, yeah. art spaces and so on I have a really hard time a very hard time finding one that is clever like talking with yeah like one mm-hmm. um <clears throat> Or maybe I don't know. Speaking of learning from Athens, what I wanted to yeah, say yeah, yeah. before I I started Departed. this huge b- huge brackets of m- hating the art yeah. world. Um, what I was gonna say is that even those basic 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 people mm-hmm. who run art spaces in Greece understand the post-colonial thing. Ah, I see. Yeah. And my question is, if we go beyond that, beyond that criticism, can there yeah. be can there be something that at the moment is interesting in Greece and mm-hmm. someone can learn from it. Mm. Oh, that's an interesting... Uh, like meta learning from... Uh, yeah. Like if we take learning from Athens seriously... Yeah, if we actually take it seriously, is there something that is left there? Um, because, of course, one, one could mm. say, okay, if you wanted to learn from Athens, uh, why yeah. don't you learn from the ra- the rise of the... Of the far right, for example, wouldn't that be something that you can learn from? Yeah. An unexpected alarm went off. <laughs> unexpected alarm. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I have an alarm f- five at twenty one? I don't know. 
What does it signify? It's a very unexpected alarm. Yeah. But who knows? Um, Something my <laughs> jet-lagged self wanted, wanted to, to, remind to remind me of, but... Who knows what who it knows was? Who knows what it was? Okay. Because, okay, I haven't slept <laughs> tonight. Because <laughs> I flew with cobalt air. Don't fly with cobalt air. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the <laughs> negative advertising. Um, introduction. So, uh, could there be something that to learn. someone can learn? Because, uh, okay, because uh, for me, I mean... I mean, we both like Athens in in, in certain capacities. And no, but I, I was going to go like further back, apart mm-hmm. from liking it. Um, that that It's funny that the learning mm-hmm. somehow had to be about the positive things. Ah, right. You mean like learn from what doesn't go... Learning... R- the whole thing, you yeah, know, learning yeah. what goes well and learning what doesn't go well. Right, 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 right. Um, that's what the the terrible thing about learning from Athens, in my opinion, was. I mean, because Athens is an ideological laboratory of many different kinds of, yeah. like, conflicts and uh, tensions. In a way, like everywhere, but, but also but at the moment, maybe there is a hotness. I mean, accelerated by the, you know, like, the huge... F, like um, m- um, material effects of the crisis, mm-hmm. ten years of crisis, and the refugees and, and so on, refugees mm-hmm. and having a leftist uh, government for mm-hmm. the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, so altogether, that creates something. Yeah, and you can learn things from it. But, but if the you thing is, learn the moment, from it, the you moment, have to, mm. you have to like not have an idea of what those things will be. Exactly. The moment you reduce this into concrete positions, you basically other the Athenian experience as something exceptional, mm-hmm. etc., etc. Um, I'm wondering how what what someone can do to actually whether there are indeed people who come to Athens to see something interesting, mm-hmm. and they're not just doing it as a kind of fetish tourism. I mean, and and how you can how one can approach them like seriously, like okay, let's like be serious about this. If if let's say we really see it as something. That is not problematic by default, but could have some, I don't know, use. I mean, you mentioned the art spaces, and now we have all the, the so-called tail of documenta, the, the leftovers of documenta. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these new uh, art spaces run by non-Greeks, mm-hmm. who kind of bring some a different approaches, definitely different approaches to the fine arts like different not necessarily um, interesting but yeah. uh, but different but not like you know dreadful s- either yeah i don't know yeah it's so it's it's not something so from dreadful i think maybe after the document i one could say that from dreadful it has moved now into mediocre yeah the art yeah. scene mm-hmm. that's nice let's go to songa yeah
Opa. Hmm. You like sing? Do you like this song? I really like this song, and I like it because it's uh, like a Greek tiftatel. Um, by the way, the previous song was by a spoken word trio called the Longshore Men. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Very, they did some very beautiful stuff in back in the early eighties mm-hmm. in a place in San Francisco called Club Foot. Oh, I love Club Foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was like uh, you know new wave coming together with cabaret. It's a beautiful pun and a nice pun. And uh, I met some of the people of uh, the club food scene, but it was quite an apl- unpleasant <laughs> encounter. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and then there was uh, the la- the very last one was uh, a single by a band called Laurie and the Chameleon mm-hmm. called Touch. Don't know much um, about them, but as with all cute a- song. As with all <laughs> episodes, after we. Uh, we we have the live show we upload them on our on the beton 7 mixed cloud and on the fita soundcloud so you can find the whole episodes and also in the descriptions you can find all the music we play and the people we mention the words we discuss etc the next word of the day is um, laziness oh my god A difficult word for me. Today it's very psychoanalytic, you see. First is the lies, then is the laziness. All of the the deadly sins that, uh, you know, kind of haunt my life. Your, the L is maybe your lemesis. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> very so. nice. I'm not so uh, thinking of lemesos mm. and how Cyprus has been... In the radar recently because of the... <laughs> The Eurovision. Almost win at the Eurovision <laughs> Song Contest. For the first time in uh, competition history. Mm. Let's move on to laziness. So the, the, the I would say laziness is something that you should discuss, Prima. Because you're not really like experiencing it. I haven't really experienced it in years. <laughs> Good for you. It's And you've actually kind of dragged me out of my lazy kind of lifestyle in a way you like laziness i i actually i am pro laziness i believe in laziness i think laziness is good for people i hate capitalism my anti-capitalist beliefs and lifestyle choices all come from this natural disposition towards laziness mm-hmm. as a child my parents would take me to all these different activities like i don't know karate and music and basketball and classic uh, you know running and shit like that even running yeah and swimming swimming yeah they yeah, tried yeah. very hard what about boy scouts <laughs> no they didn't take me to that okay and church <laughs> no they didn't like that particularly okay but like everything else they, they really wanted you tried. to be an active young Or man like art uh, arts and crafts mm-hmm. and all arts and crafts <laughs> <laughs> you know like painting <laughs> and every time I would come back and I would be like I don't want to go back I want to watch TV soap operas with my grandma mm. and my mom oh, would be so upset you were like 60 when you were born <laughs> I really loved the soap operas um, <laughs> so much better than karate and swimming Yeah, and I remember my mom would be so upset and angry with me not wanting to do sports, but just wanting to watch TV. 
Um, and she would call me this fish, Sparos, that is like really lazy. Oh, that okay. That would be her like slur for me. But over the years... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I want to I wanna hear the, 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 the development. Because I was reading this article that uh, Frederick sent to me about the history of laziness in, in, in like in modern um, Western culture. And it starts as this sin, the sloth. Mm-hmm. Sloth is a sin. But then at some point it becomes a pathology. So from something you choose to do, which is like forbidden, it becomes something that happens to you, like ennui, like something that's like, almost a disaster that falls upon you and in modern times uh-huh. like um, uh, 19th century and forward it becomes this romantic thing this boredom that makes you do things and it's very much part of the romantic like but boredom and laziness is, is it the same it's not the same because laziness has like this this intentionality I don't know uh, boredom is what happens to you it's uh, it's, it's different but it is kind but of you similar. can be wait you can be can't you you can be Not very la- hard working and bored at the same time it's true um, but usually when you're very hard working you don't you have time to be bored you can be very lazy you can be very lazy and that can be a creative time or not? Not really. You're not sure about that? No. I so don't. lazy laziness means passivity. Passivity, basically. I think so, yeah. Not doing things. And if, if you're creative, you're not lazy, you're just um, normal. But if you're watching, for example, a very complex uh, um, Netflix thing with 700 characters <laughs> that I can't watch, isn't that a creative thing? No. No? It's passive. Is it? Yeah. Um, but you have to take notes to follow all the characters. <laughs> you don't. I can't follow it otherwise. <laughs> from Here is my notebooks from yeah. <laughs> Orange, Harry Potter. Orange is a new black. <laughs> Harry Potter, no. <laughs> I went much simpler than this. I cannot anything more complex than Harry Potter I cannot watch. <laughs> is it really for children? Harry Potter. Yeah. Um the first few books are really for children, then it's for like uh, young adults, as they say. Mm, but but yeah. definitely younger than me. Yeah. <laughs> but why can't I watch them then? Because you're not interested in them. Yeah. Mm. I mean, they Harry Potter is. They very bore me. They bore me. But but I, when I watched uh, the other one with, uh, with, the, with the magicians, what's it called? Uh, uh, Lord Game of, of the Rings. <laughs> Game of Thrones. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. The other one with the magicians. Does he have magician? He does. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did I tell you this? That I was watching it with a friend of mine. Maybe I mentioned it in the show before. Yeah, yeah. It's a reoccurring. And it's just, I've never experienced that before. That I could keep watching. Yeah. But I could at all times also stop. <laughs> you didn't want to know what's coming next. No. In the next 30 seconds, I was uninterested about the next 30 seconds. But I was also receiving them Okay. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very interesting feeling. I've it's never a very had, good had liminal it. space you're describing. Yeah. Um, but what were you saying about laziness? You like laziness? Oh, a lot. And now I'm about but to... But you're doing a lot of projects now with me. And <laughs> yeah. uh, you have a new job, uh, yes. says the world. <laughs> it's going to be challenging for me and the world. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't know about the projects um, because you know, like when we do the projects, we do chunks of of creative work and then long, long pauses. Pauses. And that's really good for you. For me. Okay. Mm. Because then you can procrastinate in the middle. Yeah. Is procrastination something you like better than laziness? No. Why? Ah, because procrastination has this kind of um, commitment to mm. something that will happen later. Yeah, yeah, I hate procrastination. It's not fun at all. Ah, okay. So um, you you like to do something very quickly so that then, then you have a lot of free time to be to lazy. To be lazy, yeah. Uh, procrastination is, you know, the dark side of laziness. Mm-hmm. Because you commit to do something. And you're and planning to do it, but, but you never finish you it. You never huh? do it. So... As you know, like uh, I've I've been finishing my PhD for the past six months or so, and uh, but now it's done. Uh, let's not jinx it until I hear back from the examiners. Our audience is uh, ecstatic, ecstatic about your uh, academic excellence. Listen, they like rhythmically chant for you. So a message to the audience: if you are even slightly inclined towards laziness yes don't start the PhD should we go into a song yeah Thank you. 
what's going on? The songs are con- are mixed in the ah. album, so we, we we would fade out. That was a band from Switzerland called Look the Book. I don't like Switzerland. Uh, very nice <laughs> band, actually. The band was I, good. I really like them. There uh, are some good things coming from Switzerland, like cheese and Dada. Yes, but, uh, the country that's about it. That's about bad. Um, bad place. They, of course, you do realize that the where it gets really really impossible Lugano yes Italy Italy and Switzerland (laughs) together (laughs) (laughs) catastrophic combination why would you mix these two things yes even like you know Geneva mixing France and Germany is like difficult uh, difficult. yeah it's the worst bit generally I've, I've I've come to the conclusion that you shouldn't be mixing Germanic things very much (laughs) <laughs> because the keep result them pure? Is, yeah, keep them like <laughs> limited and pure. <laughs> this would be my like um, overall small portions of pure Germanic. Yeah, and I think it works like this. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, yes. Um, let's not uh, focus on that point. The next word of the day is little. <gasps> Talking about Germany. <laughs> Isn't it ironic? Uh, it is. Uh, what is Lidl? Lidl is a um, chain of low-cost supermarkets from Germany mm-hmm. that has taken all over Europe. It does. Uh, it did. I remember as a child when it, they first came to Greece before the crisis, the Greeks were very suspicious of the, of Lidl, the brand. They were thinking, "Oh, it's so shitty," and but it's very cheap. Yeah. What should we do? Should we embrace it or should we stick to the Greek supermarkets? <laughs> um, I mean, you're making it sound as if it's like something from the ancient times, <laughs> but actually it's still the same. Yeah. The narrative is more or less the same. That, uh, you know, in Facebook you would see it very often. Uh, there when is a meme. Lidl is mentioned that the Lidl is, um, apart from the, f- from the usual meme that says uh, stuff from Lidl, yeah. like the, the, f- the phrase... Oh, uh, you know, it's a laptop from Lidl or it's a, you know, uh, I don't know, philosophy from Lidl. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it would mean like low quality or yeah. something like this. Um, but apart from that, I mean, it's for me, it's qu- the way that Greeks deal with Lidl is quite triggering. Mm-hmm. Because I've, I've seen that. As you know, because <laughs> it's a bit like, it's a bit like those, those, uh, you know, cousins of from a far 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 perestroika land <laughs> yeah fa- be- long before the fall of the wall of <laughs> communism yeah the iron curtain yeah long before that going to places and saying oh I don't know about, um, you know, development I think you're a little bit uh, backwards <laughs> and you're a bit like Excuse me, darling. <laughs> Have you had Greek cheese or Greek salami? <laughs> okay, because now you're the f- you're in your head. You need to form- unpack. unpack. <laughs> the former tastes like wax, and the latter tastes like rubber. <laughs> Rubber with garlic, Greek salami. So, I so have to unpack this. because Unpack, it was, unpack. Was it, That's was really it, difficult. Was it a, a You're kind entering of a poetic little uh, <laughs> like inspiration. Look, um, Lidl is the cheapest of Germany. Right. However, Germany has uh, quite tough uh, laws of... Uh, quality control. Of quality control. And has also 
a fairly long history in uh, pro- pro- delicatessen produce. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say it's a country with a particularly complex cuisine. No, not at all. But with a very with an intense understanding of delicatessen produce mm-hmm. and very many different types and also mm-hmm. importing them properly, not like the UK that doesn't understand and put numbers on cheeses. <laughs> from, you know what I'm talking about. From weakest to strongest. Yeah, you know that. This mm, Gruyere this. is three and a half. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, because um, obviously a cheese has only one <laughs> scale. Scale. Anyway, um, so... Um, Yeah, the the so 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 the the very the very idea that um, uh, Greeks would then look uh, down on little mm-hmm. products is is absurd. Also, the juices the the Greeks really look down on the little juices. I mean, Greek juice tastes like I don't know, like straight from Saint Petersburg, nineteen <laughs> <1985. laughs> Yeah. I mean, you know... I like how you use communism to... <laughs> but what this is what it is. I mean, the other day I was in a um, Sklavenitis supermarket. Yesterday, a Greek, actually. Uh, Sklavenitis is a Greek chain, which, uh, to give them that, they are supposed to be fairly good with, at least supposed to be fairly good with the people that work oh, there. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, they're like the so-called ethical supermarket. In terms of, like, employment, right? <sighs> but, but, the produce. Oh, my <laughs> countless numbers of canned mushrooms oh no then you're telling me if we are in 1985 Bulgaria or not <laughs> this is a bit racist look it's not racist I, it's I, like I, capitalism I, versus uh, versus centralized uh, you know statist yeah uh, I mean you are the, the person that told us earlier that you dislike capitalism because it makes us work all the time yeah, however yeah. surely you are the same person who knows how exciting products under capitalism can be. <laughs> yes. Because they are endless. We don't really need them, but they make life very exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. So, uh, I want to, to tell another anecdote about uh, life in Soviet Russia and uh, luxury products. In a minute. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there is a certain there is a certain annoying thing that has to do with Pat- food patriotism mm-hmm. that uh, when Greeks talk about little like it really triggers me yeah, <laughs> yeah. it really triggers me I, cause I I think it's it's uh it's like when I went to this Greek supermarket it was so much everything was from the past there were so many cans yeah. canned stuff um, and, and a lot of expensive a, lo- a lot of stuff that you you know that you like powders that mm-hmm. you would put water to make puree and stuff like yeah. that like All that stuff that, you know, as uh, when I was an 80s child, mm-hmm. we ate them considering that it's okay. Yeah. And then suddenly, you know, at some point, some people said, well, you can't really have canned mushrooms. They don't taste well. And also there's not, there's no need for that. <laughs> yeah. It's not like it's fucking asparagus that <laughs> yeah. it's really rare or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's really know, it's mushrooms. Grow. They're easy to grow. They're everywhere. They're much tastier when they're fresh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So there is this double standard that yeah. the Greeks have in terms of tastes and a lot of things. Also in terms of stuff like cleanliness. I don't know if you... You know, if we've me- have we mentioned that the mm-hmm. double standards of cleanliness that the Greeks they go to the UK and they say oh, everybody is very dirty, but they they're not triggered by the fact that they're shit 
paper, they put it in the basket. <laughs> they put it with their own hand inside the basket because they have no to fucking... ferment. They have no... Yeah, they ferment their own shit on paper <laughs> and they have no problem with that. And, you know, because, okay, yes, the plumbing sucks, but nevertheless, okay, we have to, like, zoom out a bit here and say, look, we ferment our own shit. Let's not talk about the other countries problem with you know that they have like dirty carpets okay yes they do have dirty carpets the UK is not fantastic they for don't that keep like but they don't keep their own shit in a basket <laughs> so so this is yeah so this is <laughs> from it's funny how from little we went to shit quite easily it's the German effect, the German effect. Um, so but yeah you actually kind of educated me on the the German supermarket. I I yeah, I and you you have I mean, come on. And the UK is the same with Lidl. Oh, and another The UK thing. is the same with Lidl. Yeah, the UK is the same. They're with Lidl. like, "Oh, Lidl is so trashy." But Bitch, for a different reason. Come on. But you, you go, understand you go to like Marks and Spencer which is like the posh thing and the, the selection of things is dreadful, dreadful. Super no, 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 but but this is a completely different thing and I'll explain to it's you like what it's it is. It's class politics. It's class politics and it has to do with whether the shelves are clean yeah. or overstocked like yeah, yeah. they are in Lidl or if they uh, in the um, tills they help you with the bags or stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in Lidl they treat you like rubbish basically yeah, yeah. and the English cannot deal with that, you know, because yeah. uh, the quality of products or the quality mm. of anything is secondary to the experience of participating in capitalism. Mm. And this you sh- should have understood well, I mean, by now. Brexit will fix the little problem <laughs> in the UK. It, yeah. And it's funny how... They'll it, remember it very dearly. Uh, it's funny how when you go to, to Lidl in the UK, it's al- always only gays and uh, I think minorities that are... Uh, That's there. a nice... Uh, I like this... <laughs> true you've noticed super that. cruisy in, uh, in, in hackney there is one i am um, it's super cruisy so yeah little ah in the greek littles it can be quite cruisy too you know i, I haven't had the, the experience because it's mostly broken families <laughs> <laughs> very nice <laughs> thank you for your good but should i say the anecdote about the stalin and because you you talked a lot about you know capitalism having this exciting factor in the in the pr- pr- products there is this anecdote I've, I've i've learned when i was in uh, moscow a couple of years ago that about stalin going to little <laughs> yeah so stalin <laughs> has this thing that oh they tell him oh the the western supermarkets the capitalist supermarkets are really exciting so he's like okay what is the most exciting products in the capitalist world and they are like champagne caviar and ice cream so Stalin take, uh, invites all of his industrial experts and they make these huge factories uh, and they make all this, you know, necessary technological innovation to grow industrially, uh, to farm industrially the fish that is doing the caviar um, and ha- to make ice cream that is transferable to all places in, in, in the, the Soviet Union and to produce tons of uh, very high quality champagne. So, in like the next 20 years, they achieve all the the, the really hard technical, uh, you know, requirements to make this happen. So, everyone in the Soviet Union can have at any point champagne, caviar, and every child should have an ice cream per day. Per day. That's high. So, they achieve that. And, of course, these products lose their, like, appeal. 
because oh, <laughs> like obviously. who wants to eat that much caviar like this is not the point of caviar this or capitalism <laughs> so completely misreading what this is all about so now caviar there is cheap yeah like uh, russia is still the biggest pro- producer of caviar and they have this the so-called um soviet uh, champagne that's super cheap even now when you go to russia you can have like normal wine and beer and vodka and then you can have the the, the soviet champagne that's like considered like tacky and Ta- stupid mm-hmm. <laughs> it's actually delicious it's really nice sparkling water it's a bit like prosecco um so sparkling it's, wine so sparkling wine excuse me mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i was like it was really interesting how these things that well are completely i unre- think your anecdote i think your anecdote uh, very nicely complements yeah. my little rant segment and uh, the <laughs> greek's understanding yeah, of uh, capitalism essentially. i think so i think so uh, so let's move into a song yes okay That was Leo. Ah, cute. Oh, uh, very b- oh my God, French we don't have Leo. The sign in other words we are discussing. Ah, we we <laughs> should do add. that. We should do that. Um, it's very problematic. Star sign. sign. Very problematic. The most problematic. Sign. The most problematic star sign. Yes, because 
Scorpio is more on the psychotic side. Yeah, and on the they're not dangerous really because they are self-destruct. Yeah, yeah, like uh, sooner or later they they yeah they fuck up themselves. Yeah. But the Leos, they, they insist. remain. Yes. And they come back. And they come back, yeah. But we have leadership, which is kind of the Leo thing. Yeah, thing. we can maybe combine them. Combine the two. And now... But now it's not that time. Philosopher of the Week! Ah. Ah. It's time for Philosopher of the Week. And it's... Uh, for those of uh, of uh, our um, in our audience that uh, have been following the show, they know that every how week. How many are they? Like how many two, shows so far? Three. <laughs> uh, those four people in the audience that have been severely following the show, mm-hmm. they know that uh, every there week we choose our favorite, or let's say a, a, one, philosopher, a philosopher from a particular um, letter of the English uh-huh. alphabet, and this week. It would not come as a surprise. Not at all. That it's someone who has already been mentioned a few times. Quite a few times, actually. And uh, uh, someone who, I guess, both of us kind of like in a way, but you mm. belong to the <laughs> fun club, one would <laughs> yes, say. The church, one other could the say. The church of... Jacques Lacombe. Oh, the Frenchie. Jacques Lacan. As the Americans would say. Jacques Lacan. So, t- tell us about Jacques Lacan. <laughs> or the Greek, Jacques Lacan. Zach Lacan. <laughs> Tell us about Zach Lacan. <laughs> uh, I want I want you to describe Zach Lacan in like five minutes. No, I'm not doing that. Three minutes. I'm not doing that either. I can say like... 30 seconds is my last offer. How this collusion between me and Lacan came into being. Tell us. So, once upon a time, I was a psychology student. Mm-hmm. And in psychology, modern psychology... We don't really talk much about Freud, as you know. It's a bit passé. In psychology? Yes. And what do you talk about? You don't know. Experiments, social psychology, other things. Irrelevant things. Irrelevant things, yeah. Psychology. if if someone's ears are too big, then they would play the piano and stuff like that, right? (laughs) Not quite as bad, (laughs) but on that (laughs) side of the things. Yes. So then... I became interested in more kind of critical theory, political things. So I started reading Zizek and Judith Butler mm-hmm. and all the cool, like, critical theory things, social theory things, uh, which mention a lot psychoanalysis. Mm-hmm. Uh, they mention a lot of Jacques Lacan and even Freud. And how much psychoanalysis did you do before? Very little. I just like a couple of modules in the university with a really unpleasant professor that I didn't like. But so it, I didn't really know much. Uh-huh. So then I was like, oh, maybe psychoanalysis is interesting after all. And at the time I was about to decide what kind of postgraduate um, studies should I do. So I was between doing gender studies and doing something about psychoanalysis. So I did psychoanalysis. I did a master's on psycho- called Psychoanalysis, History and Culture, and it was all about uh, the religious relationship between psychoanalysis and social theory. And then I had this module about Lacan, mm-hmm. and I liked I, it. I like this fairy tale way of narrating. It was a bumpy ride, because mm-hmm. I got a terrible mark, which um, kept me from getting a distinction on my degree. Mm-hmm. 
so it was um, it was difficult that it was a very boring story sorry um but that's how it, wasn't, it was hardly a story <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I, it's really hard when you talk about these things that are intimate to you to make them interesting. Are you not going to talk about anything that he says? <laughs> yes, why not? I can tell things about. So, what does like I already do? mentioned jouissance. Mm-hmm, so, as a concept. if someone wants to go to jouissance, they can go to the J, J episode. Yeah, mm. let's because we don't like to repeat ourselves. So, what is the the, the intervention? The Lacan's intervention in. The field of psychoanalysis. He reads Freud very carefully, uh-huh. and he uses as a, an analytical framework structuralism. So, at the time, it's very popular in France. Levi Strauss um, and what the linguist guy um, with the signifier and the signified um, Saussure. So he's like um, he's he's read all this like structuralist theorist and he goes back to Freud and reads Freud through the lens of structuralism and he introduces all these uh, things that he thinks that Freud foresaw but did not elaborate on um, and he enters his because he could not do em- everything <laughs> after all I mean he's re- he's written like I don't know Freud Seven, like. 700 <laughs> books yeah <laughs> he was like 20 years on cocaine writing like a crazy person <laughs> Uh, so yeah, some of the concepts that Lacan introduces is, for example, the the articulation of reality in the three domains of the symbolic, the imaginary, and the real. The concept of the jouissance, um, and then later on in his career, the like uh, he incorporates concepts coming from mathematics. But if you look, yeah. I'm going to zoom out a bit. Yeah, zoom out a bit because we've mentioned. Uh, Lacan's work on ve- with, with relationship mm. to many things, mm. and I wouldn't. I want you to say something a bit more quirky. Like mm. if you wanted to to tell us something that you did, which is kind of your like special and uh, mm. not the usual stuff. What would you pick? I think one of the interesting things is he hasn't re- uh, written much. He's only have like a really tiny written books, uh, the, the collection of his uh, written work, and all of his the rest of his work is spoken and performative, which I think in terms of philosophy it's quite innovative. When you say performative, does that mean that uh, he was he, he was interested in in kind of like body language also and, and mm, stuff like that? Not explicitly. I don't mean theoretically. Like, but did he, for example? in the middle of the lecture he would start moving mm-hmm. or he would like get up and that would be an important thing mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. did he do stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. One of the important aspects of the seminars were, were absolutely a form of theater play. Mm-hmm. And, but I don't mean it only in terms of like, you know, embodiment versus text. It's also about the text and how it is like full of contradictions, full of jokes, full of like, you know, half sentences. And in the middle of a sentence, there is like a a stream of consciousness. And that made really difficult um, for the people who wanted to actually publish um, the seminars. Um, And of course, the publishers, um, uh, Jacques-Alain Miller, who is his... uh, son-in-law in law uh, he was very conservative and he wanted to publish something that made sense so some of the seminars are still not published not even in france um so it, it took it took them like more than 40 years to formulate these you know like uh, recordings they have into books mm-hmm. to make a canon 
but making a canon was against what but how come Lacan he didn't was make about. films and stuff like that. He actually did like uh, the the television, which is like one of his most um, important words, is like a, a televised monologue. You know the story of the television; it's quite exciting. Uh, the 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 French public television did a series of philosophers. Um, like uh, you know, like shows on philosophers, uh-huh. and when they asked Lacan to like a show to explain his theory, he did this crazy monologue uh, that then they didn't want to screen because they thought it was too crazy, and then Lacan accused them of censorship, so they had to play it. So they played it prime time. This card generally works in France. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, at the time, uh, well, if, if what, what at the time now? Freedom of speech and all this bullshit. Yeah, if you're white and middle class. Mm. Um, uh, so <laughs> so, at the, uh, so they screened it prime time in one of the two public, the only, basically, TV stations in France. They, they, they showed this crazy monologue and people were, like, calling and complaining about what the fuck is this shit and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's the, the infamous opening of this. It's a shame, though, he hasn't. Ha- he doesn't have more, more like, visual stuff. Yeah. Maybe it's a time thing. Maybe it would have been. Yeah. Because I guess if he was, if you you could say I mean, that cinema Gizek, was Gizek really is kind of a friend of his. Mm. Right? No, is Gizek would be sorry. I wanted to say a child of yeah. his in a way. Uh, you know, maybe makes sense that Gizek is like this. Then is is mm. is an utter clown. Yeah. But cinema was really new at the time, eh? Because Lacan, well, Lacan is born in the uh, at the beginning of of the century. Of the century, okay. I mean, even Deleuze, who was very much interested in cinema, he didn't really do cinematic work. He he wrote on cinema. So yeah. um, I don't know. Yeah, I think television is quite an example of what he could have done. I guess mm. if he went to the more kind of uh, yeah that direction let's move into a song oh that's all yes that's all because you you could speak forever from an uh, avant-garde saxophonist called Lask and uh, vocals by Maggie Nichols oh the Maggie Nichols the Maggie Nichols we've met here sitting in me flat in Peabody Estate block N number 20 with me next door neighbour Kath minding my own business watching the telly and there's this knock on the door yeah So I walks to the door, opens it, and there's this young geezer standing there, this very respectable-looking gentleman with short hair and glasses. I said, hello, what do you want? He says, I'd like to make you a cup of tea. Well, I don't normally get blokes coming around asking to make me cups of tea, but I said, all right, come in then. You know, I'm a very friendly, hospitable sort of person. I don't like to see anybody standing out in the cold. So he walks in, goes to the kettle, puts the kettle on, makes me a cup of tea. Yeah, he comes back. I drink the tea, and goodness me, the next thing I know, I wake up in some bloody place called Ludwigsburg. Never heard of the place. And it looks to me like a sort of recording studio. And I'm singing all these songs. Oh, my God, what's come over me? I mean, normally I go... But, 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 and I realise I've been kidnapped. This respectable-looking gentleman has kidnapped me for his wicked ends to do all that funny newfangled music, that funny stuff with a beat. And I think, my God, my goodness gracious me. 
Oh, she's amazing. You like Maggie? Uh, yeah, yeah. You've even had a... I had a workshop with her. Workshop with she Maggie. She ran this in uh, improv workshop. And it's funny because we usually uh, talk of improv or something. We make fun of it. <laughs> Terrible. But she was act- it was actually a fantastic workshop and she shared lots of uh, insights from feminist history and of like feminist uh, women's self-organizing in the 70s. It was a singing workshop. It was like singing and talking. Okay. And one of the... And you sang... It was improv. Okay. Um, one of the funny bits is how she she said that you can use like improv vocalisms as a defense mechanism. Then one one time she was alone in uh, on a train and there was this guy who was like who came and sat uh, next to her and he was like trying to you know kind of harass her. harass her and she started doing and then he left. And he left. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's a brilliant. <laughs> he was scared. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant story. How uh, she traumatized the uh, the the, the rapist. <laughs> yes, with your extreme vocalism. But she's super talented and super like giving. Are um, we ready to move on? Yes, let's move on. The next word is lemons and limes lemons and limes yeah what kind of word is that mm-hmm. it's a good word first of all as we both know and most of our audience knows lemon is a very important ingredient for greek cooking mm-hmm. um actually lime not not so, so much mm-hmm. <laughs> well there has been some changes limes in greek are called mo- Moscholemono, which means pretty smelling l- lemon. <laughs> yeah. It, everything is... Yeah. So there has been some... Okay, so lemon, very important for Greek uh, cuisine. Mm-hmm. From northern to southern Greek cuisine, you pretty much encounter everywhere. Mm-hmm. There is this also very traditional and very Greek thing called avgolemono. Mm-hmm. Which is basically a for a like egg lemon soup. Egg lemon soup. It doesn't translate. I think in, in English they call it Afghan lemon. They call I it Afghan lemon because for some bizarre reason, this very delicious combination of ingredients, of very basic ingredients, it's not a thing. It did not occur to many, to very <laughs> many civilizations, yeah. and it ended up being uh, I don't know claimed or, by Greeks, or at least let's say. It was claimed by the Greeks of America, mm-hmm. of the United States. Sure, so sure. this canonized it somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, because I find it ha- I find it difficult to believe that there wouldn't be such a, a combination like this in a place like Thailand or something like this. Mm. Well, I mean, <sighs> I don't know. Have you encountered it? I haven't encountered it, but um, I don't know. Asian cuisine is kind of endless. True, so. true. But anyway, yeah. Seems like um, a great so thing. so. But then what happened? What happened in the past five years of the crisis? There has been a crazy proliferation of cooking shows in Greece, mm-hmm. like crazy. Um, like yeah, it's like. It's basically they basically mostly do cooking shows these days. Yeah, now Cause, there are because like there isn't that much money for production. But there is a return to the reality shows now. Uh, but yeah, the cooking shows is uh, it's it's a crazy thing. Like it happened in the past uh, five years, I think. Uh huh. Um, and now lots of them are about gourmet and innovative cooking, but like revisiting Greek cuisine through the lens of this kind of postmodern 
So we see a lot of like you know recipes that traditionally have lemons. To like avgo lemono. Now use limes. Avgo limeo. <laughs> or yuzu. Avgo yuzu. So this is an interesting process of transfor- transforming the Greek cuisine uh, through interjecting Asian ingredients in. <laughs> traditional recipes I don't know much why do you hate fusion cuisine so much what's what what's why, why does it bother you it's like an it's a healthy look, hy- hybridization look, you like hybrids yes um, I don't hate fusion cu- cuisine as such mm-hmm. uh, I just don't um, first of all I think I think um, I think it's important to know if something has developed o- and has been tested over a really long time. Mm-hmm. It's important to know that, okay, this is the traditional, but I'm going to break the rule and do something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's I'm 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 happy with that uh, with that notion that we're going to break the rule. Mm-hmm. But then I would like to see an equal amount of um, research on it. Right. So. Um, I have a problem with fads, as you know. Fads, yeah, like uh, like uh, fashion trends. Like yeah, like like someone who has not, up until three years ago, not even heard of a lime. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, they turn a page and they only use lime. Mm. I I am I'm okay with people revolutionizing themselves, mm-hmm. but very frequently. This is a, a kind of a middle class show, I think. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. really something that um I, I think I started having this thing in the UK mostly. Right. Um where I which connects a little bit to what we were talking mm-hmm. about before with the Lidl, where I realized that uh food in the UK is most about the performance rather than the actual taste. Absolutely. So um so I, I it was interesting to see in, in, when I found myself in middle class environments, how mm-hmm. people would say, uh, would normalize things that were pretty new. So, for example, they, they wouldn't be balsamic. Like in the late 90s when I was in the UK, mm. there was no balsamic vinegar. Yeah. And suddenly then balsamic vinegar comes and then it was like only balsamic vinegar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and the discourse was that, of course, you eat balsamic vinegar. <laughs> you don't eat other things. So the moment in which... You yeah. know, this kind of sense of superiority comes. Mm. Uh, that annoys me. I think it, it it must have been quite intense in the UK. I mean, I've, I've taught in a, in a class about the history of like uh, eating habits in in, the, in Britain and how they were transformed in the past 20 years quite radically and the Jamie Oliver intervention. Yeah, all, all these things happen and they were interesting to see mm. for mm. sure. Mm. Um, but occasionally also very annoying. Yeah. And and and. and and in terms of the fusion aspect, yeah. um, I don't think I would have a problem if two mm. people who have worked, one person has worked intensely on, mm. I don't know, Japanese cuisine, and one person has worked intensely on Caribbean cuisine, yeah. and they come together and they're like, look, can we actually like make this work? And then they make something. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't have a problem with that. But you don't like the Greek who does the Peruvian Japanese. <laughs> I don't see the point of a Greek doing a Peruvian Japanese. Which mix. is the thing, apparently. Yeah. Why? Why should a Greek do a <laughs> Peruvian Japanese thing? Why? I mean, okay. Then why don't you just say this is modern cuisine? Uh, mm-hmm. Getting ingredients from random 
from the random resources of the world. Yeah. Why don't you just why don't you just say that? Because of course nobody, you know, of course if you start wrapping taking a rice and putting it inside a leaf, lots of different civilizations have yeah, done that. that. Yeah. You don't need to refer to one or another. You can just say okay, mm-hmm. it's nouvelle cuisine, it's like uh like haute couture, another thing, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's it may wink towards uh, tradition but it's not really related mm-hmm. to any kind of country and so on. I don't mind that. I don't mind modernist cuisine. Yeah. But fusion, I don't understand this. Why should it make a claim to um to something that is not that it doesn't own? I don't I don't understand this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also quite yeah, I guess a 90s thing the fusion cuisine. I think it's it's interesting how it it returns now as this kind of tool different cuisines together it's a, it's, a, it's a very specific thing that's going on it's as a trend we take two unlikely cuisines and you create a couple of them just for the I don't know meme factor I don't know yeah I don't know I mean I mean I think I think the other the other thing I I would say about cuisine and new mm. recipes mm-hmm. um, I would say that it might sound strange to you but I have in a way a similar relationship to people who have now bands and they make new music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In my opinion, there has been throughout the 20th century enough compositions to have another three or four hundred years of cover versions of these. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and if it was up to me, I would say... Now stop. Yeah, let's not. Let's like take a break now and let's actually like cover <laughs> those compositions for a good or oh, 300 years sake. yeah because I think the the uh, the notion of uh, covering material is uh, is, a, is an art of its own and mm-hmm. it's a it's a process of its own and um, you know there is a there is a lot that can be done there which can create very interesting uh, stuff party pooper party pooper because I mean you know it's like I if, um, especially after the 20th century, it's very unlikely that at the moment someone will not do something which is not derivative to Mm -hmm, some extent. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if it's going to be kind of derivative, then why don't you just make a cover version and get over it? Mm. You didn't like when Madonna did uh, the ABBA song, though. You thought it was... That wasn't a cover version. What was it? That was sampling a a, a riff and producing a worse song than the original. (laughs) But these aren't cover versions usually that like a worse. No, version. cover versions are supposed to deconstruct uh, original songs. Right. They're supposed to make something completely other from it. Yeah, I, I think Madonna is like the epitome of using using. <laughs> yeah, let's go into a song. I'm too scared. Oh, 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 oh,
a very short song from um, a group called Lustige Mutanten, uh, Funny Mutants. Ah, that's beautiful. They only had like uh, one, uh, one uh, seven inch of f- f- five or six weird songs. Um, mm-hmm. Good for them. And uh, we have uh, a bit less than half an hour, maybe 25 minutes more. You see, when the letter time is flies, when, when the, the letter, letter is, is easy, okay. the letter is easy. Yeah. Yes. Do you know what time it is? What time is it? What time do you think it is? I have no idea what time. No it is. idea. No idea. Could you guess? Is it poetry time? Maybe. <laughs> if it's not poetry time, I don't know what time it is. It's not poetry time. What is it? It's time for another word. Really? Yes. What word? Not poetry time, man. Eh? No. Let's talk about um, libraries. Libraries. Do you like libraries? I do. Like Don't you want to talk about Leos? Leos and leadership. Or libraries. I like both topics. Tell us something about... L- look, we're going to do a, a new yeah. thing now. Yeah. Are you ready for yeah, this new I'm thing? Ready. Look. In this 12th episode. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. I'm, we're we're going to do something much more complicated. Right. Um, because this last song has given me some inspiration. Okay. Because it was a very short and compact song. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of material in close a together in yeah. a very short space. Okay. Let's do it. And, wa- and in a way, um, it kind of unleashes something more automatic. Right. I'm going to use five words. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, and you have to tell me quickly what comes into your mind. Right. Okay. Let's. And do then it. we will move into a song. It will be like a really, yeah, a really quick session. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Yeah. Logocentrism. Children. <laughs> Libraries. Shitting. Libertarianism. Reddit. Leos. Pandasacos. <laughs> Love. Relationships. <laughs> Sorry. That game has this danger of producing uninspired results. Lamps. Lava. Tell me something more about lava lamps. I used to fucking adore them and I was like the first money I will make I will buy a lava lamp and um, did you ever do that I did actually um, you had a lava lamp I did um, when I was I don't know 12 years old after some kind of Christmas money I got I finally bought a lava lamp it's a completely redundant thing oh I, actually what happened is I went to buy a lava lamp and then I saw this other 90s kind of lamp, the one that is like a magic sphere with a little like electric currents. Yeah. That one, I bought that you one. You bought that one, mm-hmm. even worse. <laughs> I loved it. I used to love that. But now you ha- you don't really like lamps. <laughs> you don't understand light. I don't quite. You know, I, I like lamps. I actually like lamps too. Like, um, I like creating interesting atmospheres with light. Yeah. You don't? I'm not good at that, no. You create... I'm terrible. You are very good at creating the atmosphere of a factory waiting room. 
this is quite a talent because what exactly is a factory waiting room? Why would someone wait outside a factory? I don't know, but I'm interested in the lighting conditions. Yeah, I don't... I mean, it doesn't make that much of a difference, but when you create this nice, you know, pleasant lighting environment, I don't complain. I like them. I enjoy them. I just... It's not a priority to me. I don't mind white, neon, <laughs> like if, not neon. How it's called, like fluorescent. Like yes, fluorescent light. I don't mind. Very beautiful for the eyes, isn't it? Yeah. Gentle. <laughs> I like. So this compl- completes no this game. Mm-hmm. I thought we would talk a little bit about lamps. Mm-hmm. And we're going to move into a song which is from an unusual period of, uh, um, not from an unusual period, but from an unusual area of uh, music, Mm -hmm. because we usually go for the avant-garde, but we're going to go now for a camp classic, uh, Mm -hmm. of the tragicomic camp classic. Um, It's uh, The Sphinx by Amanda Lear. Oh, Amanda Lear, my God. Thanks. 
Some dramatic music. Oh, she's quite dramatic. <laughs> Amanda Lee, fantastic. Fantastic um, performer. Um, she's still alive, Amanda Lee. Yeah, she's still alive. Oh and God. you know what, Fibos? What? We don't have much time left. Really? We don't have much time left. There is no time. And you know what time it is? <laughs> no, I, I'm not going to try that again. Poetry time. Mm, it's poetry time. What does that mean? That means uh, that uh, we will present some poetry from a poet whose name starts from L. And this week our poet is? Audre Lorde. Okay. Uh, One of the most influential uh, black feminists, writers, um, very kind of important both in the political terrain but also uh, in her poetry. Um, she's... You know, um, some of your famous work are her cancer journals, where she kind of describes her experience with cancer. Uh, she's also... This is going to be very happy reading, eh? Actually, the poems I picked are not... Very bleak. No. She's generally very utopian and optimistic. Okay. So, uh, obviously, she also conveys the experience of um, oppression and stuff. People will um, have to um, forgive my delivery because I didn't have the chance to mm. read them this time mm. round, but I'll do my best. Yeah, and I'll try my best. One interesting part that came up about Audre Lord is her Berlin years. The last uh, years of her life, she was in Berlin, uh, invited by the Freie Universität, Universität, and uh, there she was one of the founding people of the German, Af- uh, the Afro-German kind of uh, politics and communities. So there is a new film about that period called Audre Lord, The Berlin Years. Uh, that's quite good. Okay. Yeah. So I'll read two mm-hmm. poems. Never to dream of spiders. Time collapses between the lips of strangers. My days collapse into a hollow tube. Soon implodes 
against now, like an iron wall. My eyes are blocked with rubble, a smear of perspectives, blurring each horizon, in the breathless precision of silence, one word is made. Once the renegade flesh was gone, fall air lay against my face, sharp and blue as a needle, but the rain fell through October, and death lay a condemnation within my blood. The smell of your neck in August, a fine gold wire bejeweling war, all the rest lies, elusive as a farmhouse, on the other side of a valley, vanishing in the afternoon. Day three, day four, day ten, the seventh step, a veiled door leading to my golden anniversary, flame-proofed, free paper shredded, in the teeth of a pillaging dog, never to dream of spiders, and when they turned the hoses upon me, a burst of light. And the second poem I will read is called Hanging Fire. <coughs> I am fourteen, and my skin has betrayed me. The boy I cannot live without still sucks his thumb in secret. How come my knees are always so ashy? What if I die before morning and mama's in the bedroom with the door closed? I have to learn how to dance in time for the next party. My room is too small for me. Suppose I die before graduation. They will sing sad melodies, but finally tell the truth about me. There is nothing I want to do, and too much, and has to be done, and mama's in the bedroom with the door closed. Nobody ever, ever even stops to think about my side of it. I should have been a math on math team. My marks were better than his. Why do I have to be the one wearing braces? I have nothing to wear tomorrow. Will I live long enough to grow up and mama's in the bedroom with the door closed? Yeah. Okay, they weren't exactly very happy. No, no, but you see the utopian and political aspect. And the, yeah. Very nice use of language. Amazing, she's fantastic. Um, really simple mm. language, but also like changes, swaps words mm. and... Uh, in like se in sentences that you would expect them to have like one word, mm. then suddenly another word mm. appears, like when connecting mm. sentences or the use of verbs and stuff like that. I can't imagine this is translatable. Mm. It's really difficult. It's very difficult because she uses a lot this kind of uh, verb and noun thing mm. being the same in mm. English. Yeah. How do you go about that? I don't know. I mean, that's the pain for the translators. Would you like to tell us anything more about Audrey Lorde? No, I think um, people can find out there is tons of material about she, both her life and her work online. So, yeah. Let's uh, then uh, hear uh, from Liaison Tangeré, the next project. Thank you. 
cage au bout de la nuit Une lumière No, the band liaison de Jerez? No. Los niños de la parking. Los niños de las niñas. That's their hit single? No? Hit single. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Number one. It's a, it was an important song for the... For whom? You know. <laughs> for the goth slash electro dark uh, post-punk community. Okay. Um, we've come to the end of the show. Really? Yeah. Oh, thank God. Time flies. We know time flies. Cobalt air doesn't, doesn't fly. fly. <laughs> and you would like to tell our audience to avoid <laughs> this? To avoid cobalt air at all. Uh, unless they l- really like Cypriot culture. Cobalt is great if you really like Cypriot culture. <laughs> oh. Well done. That's the last word, I guess. The last word of the day is... is uh, laughter. Laughter. Okay. Uh, what can we say in like... Two minutes because we don't have much time. I changed my laughter recently. You you change your laughter. Can you give us your original <laughs> laughter? <laughs> That's your original laughter. Yeah. And your new laughter? <laughs> I don't know. I can't <laughs> it, it wasn't like this. How was? How is I it? I can't remember it now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not <laughs> your laughter at all. <laughs> that's part of the original laughter. <laughs> no, make me laugh. And maybe. Um, I can't make you laugh on demand. <laughs> <laughs> you have a new laughter. What is, what is it like? 
the new laughter. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it's like <laughs> it's a, no. This is these are all still part of the old laughter. Oh my God! Yeah, you you the moment you pinpointed it, 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 it disappeared. Like, it disappeared. Oh, maybe something. This is something deep about laughter. Mm. I don't know. Like, how do you choose your laughter? Like, different people having different laughters. That's really interesting. I guess it develops. Or do you mm. laugh always the same? No idea. I've is never thought about it. Laughter as a performance is an interesting topic, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, we have a, a friend called Nikos that when he laughs, the whole theater yes. laughs more with him than the or performance. They're annoyed, or they're very annoyed. Or they're annoyed, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. <laughs> we like, I like loud uh, laughter. laughter people. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> That's why I'm moving to the UK where it's <laughs> illegal. <laughs> it's kind of illegal, yeah. Yeah, Nikos would be... But you like laughing. You laugh all the time. I like laughing. I don't laugh all the time. I'm not like some kind of an idiot. You do laugh all the time. I don't. Well, you laugh all the time when it's uh, you're surrounded by people who are actually, actually funny, funny, which is rare. Which is rare, yeah. 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 I really laugh with my, my own, own jokes. <laughs> I think I'm hilarious. Yeah. I mean, I laugh with your jokes too. I think you're quite funny. <laughs> but it's not considered like good to laugh on your own jokes. No. What can I do? But that's the problem because, okay, if you if you laugh at your own jokes and you don't make the best jokes, that's a problem. But if you make the best jokes, then what? What can you do? What can you do? <laughs> so, unfortunately, we have to laugh we with have our to own laugh jokes. Out. Otherwise, we wouldn't laugh. At all, yeah. <laughs> but there are some, okay, let's just say that there there are some... British comedies that make us laugh. Yeah. And that's about it. I like the Friends too. Friends. <laughs> A sign of intellectualism. Yes. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. That was the ABC Fita, the L show. A good show after many crap shows. Uh, we have fans that believe that the K show was also it's a revelation. Yeah. No, more than good. It was a revelation. And we finish with one of my favorite musical projects called Lemon Kittens and False Ar- Alarm Malicious. See ya! Bye! I had a dream and I saw the end. It worried me. Perhaps it's good, perhaps it's good. If I stood up and said, watch out, watch out, it would not be a false alarm malicious. I have good intent, I am worried, I am nonplussed. Just now I saw the Holocaust. I am worried. I am nonplussed. Just now I saw the Holocaust. It worried me. I am nonplussed. Just now I saw the Holocaust. I am worried. I am nonplussed.
intent. It would be a good intent.